Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. What up, Alex? How you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Ready to podcast. Let's go. Today, we're going to be talking about what makes you different. Finding your unique skill that's going to help you or your superpower, like uh, what Coach Augie had said in our um Landau performance podcast, but finding what makes you special, finding what makes you unique, finding what makes you different, capitalizing on that and having that be what takes you to the next level. Yeah. And I think I've had a couple of different conversations with coaches about this, about the lack of self-awareness within fighters specifically. It's like, we know what your superpower is. We see you performing X, Y, and Z really well all the time. And that's your skill. that's going to win you fights. But it's almost like the fighters are ignorant to that. They're like, mm-hmm. all right, I got that down, but I can still get better at everything. I need to be better at everything. I want to train everything, you know? And it's right. like, have some awareness of what got you to the show and what is your bread and butter. And then you can almost train into that, create a mentality around that and um, really extrapolate your strengths even more. And sure, there's always times to work on the weakness and there's always times to watch film and poke the holes that uh, you see in your game. But at the same time, like embrace what makes you great. Like what makes you different? Exactly. You can always add skills, right? You can always add skills at any point in time, but you cannot add skills at the detriment from to losing your superpower. Because we see that happen too many times, especially with where we both come from with wrestlers. We find the wrestlers that fall in love with their fucking hands. You got, you think you got bricks now and you completely forget about your wrestling and you end up losing two fights in a row, probably getting knocked out by a better striker because you forgot about your bread and butter. You forgot about your superpower, which was, I can get somebody to the ground, whatever the fuck I want. We should probably do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, and I think that goes into training preparation, but also just fight game prep. Like you have to have your game plan, you have to have it set in place and you have to stay disciplined to it, which, um, all goes back to the planning sense, you know, like in, in my head, part of planning is self-awareness. Like you have to know your superpower in order to plan around, plan your fight camp, plan your training styles, like, and rely on your coaches for guidance in this. And sometimes you will get a coach that tells you, you know what, you just need to get better at everything right now. And that just tells you where you're at in your journey. Um, but that's why you create your style. That's where you find your superpower. That's where you start performing well. And then coach is going to say next time he's going to say, well, we got this down. Like you're really good at, at, I don't know anybody that's like this, but you're really good at blending your striking to your takedowns. So, <laughs> Vol- so Volkanov- Alex Volkanovsky is very, very good at that. Sure. So let's start working on either better setups or better combinations on your feet that will land or will set you up and start like kind of forcing your opponent into one of the two options rather than letting them escape. So should I take it back? The textbook of that is George St. Pierre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) But what's cool about this topic and and why we kind of wanted to bring it up is you can take a micro approach to it, a macro approach to it. And you can also use this in every single facet of your game and every single facet of life, right? Like this is a talk, me and Alex just at our end of the year, like our meeting about building a fighter. And this is a talk that we've had. What makes us different? What makes us unique? What is our superpower, if you will? And and it doesn't have to be this, oh, I'm so much better at this big topic. It could be, what's the small things? What's your go-tos? What allows you to every single day win the day, right? Because that's really your superpower, getting through the day and being successful and getting into the next day, one step above where you were. That's a superpower in itself, right? Yeah, amen. And when I think about like building a fighter, it's, it's bringing people together with, 
the niche market of MMA sports performance, right? Like sure. we collaborate, we get um, more people on the bus and we are the like go-to resource for strength and conditioning in the MMA field. Yeah. And, and I think when I think about us, um, because it is good to have like good self-awareness, like we were talking about, when I think about us, I think, I think what makes us different is like you said, the communication is a big thing, but also our ability to blend in every facet of of MMA and MMA performance in general. Yeah. We have an understanding of the actual skill of, of what goes into MMA. We have an understanding of the lifestyle of MMA. Um, we have an understanding, obviously, of strength and conditioning, have an understanding of healthcare. And then we have friends of the company, friends of the podcast, that if we don't know the answer to dietetics, if we don't know the answer to for whatever reason, healthcare, if we don't know the answer to something, we're so good at collaborating that we're able to get the answers to that, be comfortable saying, I don't know, but I'll find out and then relay that message to whoever we're working with. Right. And it's, it's a little bit different because you need this skill in your practitioner skill set. period. Like you have to be able to do that, whether you're a skill coach, whether you're strength, and you need to have that network and the resources to reach out or whatever. It's just, I think building a fighter, we are the first company to highlight it and to yep. make that our niche, right. To yep. make that our superpower. So that's where we've been really trying to build our, our website, our brand and everything and get more and more building a fighter, like affiliates and more building fighter um, affiliations with high level professionals, you know, in the MMA sphere. And then we bring them all together. We speak the same language and then we're off to the races. Exactly. We're good at being the bus driver. <laughs> bang, bang. Exactly. Um, but in, if, if we tend kind of take this approach and kind of extrapolate it out to other people though, one of my main reasons and one of, one of my main thoughts behind this is you should know what your go-tos are in certain circumstances right? This is, this is where I had this idea for the podcast is if I'm wrestling you, or if I, if, we're, if I'm coaching you on cage wrestling and you have an underhook, you should know what your go-to takedown is. If you have 10 seconds left to end up on top at the end of the round, if you don't know what you're going to do, that's a lack of self-awareness. And that's also a lack of understanding your superpower. That's a lack of understanding yourself situationally and what, what you're good at. And that's the micro approach to this whole, what makes you different thing. I know if I went up to Henry Hudo, he knows exactly what he's going to do with 10 seconds left. If he had an underhook, he knows exactly what he's going to do with 10 seconds left. If he has a single leg, he's already mentally prepped for all of these situations, sitting at home on his couch with his eyes closed, right? That's what separates the people that are good from the people that are great. And if I go up to a random fighter and I say, Hey, there's 10 seconds left. You need to get a takedown and you're on the cage. How do you complete it? And they don't know, well, that's a lack of self-preparation. That's a lack of self-awareness. And that's a lack of understanding what makes you different because your answer is going to be different than somebody else's. There's no right answer. It's the right answer for you. And that's what you have to find out. And that just comes from understanding yourself, going through the fire, and then actually doing self-reflection, which I don't think we do enough of in MMA. I don't think people sit down and actually like, whether it be journaling, whether it be just self-talk, whether it be talking with somebody else, but say, asking, hey, what am I good at? What am I bad at? Because nobody wants to hear they're bad at shit. <laughs> but that that's definitely necessary in the circumstance of finding out what makes you different is you got to know what the fuck you're bad at. You also got to know what you're good at. Yeah. And I think the the reflection piece is huge. You know, you don't really learn from a session if you don't think about it or you don't journal about it. Or you don't use imagery. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big proponent, like every practice, you know, take those five minutes, put your feet on the wall, whatever you want to do, just lay on your back, belly breathing, right? You're trying to calm down your nervous system. Like that's a good time to reflect on the session, you know, as long as you're staying calm about it. 
But um, that's when you can think about the technical, tactical areas that you had success in, that you failed in, that, um, you know, your go-tos. And like, this, this all just goes into a bottle of, you know, fight IQ for me, um, because not a lot of guys have it, especially when you're young or when you're inexperienced in the cage, like it's go time, you're go mode, right? You're, you're in there, you're, you're fighting, you're kind of relying on your instincts. We talked about that a little bit in, our, in a previous podcast, but when we can blend what you should do with what your body's telling you to do is when you get dangerous, yep. right? Like you should know the fight situation. What is the best tactical um, move in this situation? You have to know that, but then can you act on it instinctively? Like if we can merge those two beasts, um, then we're good. So knowing your strengths obviously plays into that because I'm going to go to where my strengths are. Um, if there's 30 seconds left and that's where I would really like in practice, like situational ghosts, um, you know, and like even giving more context than just, you know, all right, he's got your back 30 second go. It's like, maybe like he's got your back. It's the end of the second round. You're, you're down the first round already. You need to get up to secure this round for a win. Or, um, I, I really like contextualized based drilling. And I think that that helps a lot with, um, being more applicable because it's more of a, um, realistic simulation for sure. Well, and it also, it, the other thing that I think that helps a lot with this is fighters or wrestlers or whatever combat athlete also getting into the coaching realm a little bit. And also yeah. like, whether it be coaching kids or, or helping your teammates out or, or actively trying to become not just a athlete, but also a student of the sport. Yeah. Because once, once you're able to see other people, I had a really cool experience. Was that two days ago, Friday at sparring where I was on the outside, I was helping uh, coach Hunter Azure for one of his rounds and he was riding a little bit high um, uh, with one leg in and I was right next to Kamuela Kirk and Kamuela and I just looked at him and I'm like, well, what would you do here? And he tells me exactly what he would do and to a T exactly what he would do to get back on top. And it was like a three or four different move sequence. And he would end up right back on top. He knew exactly what he was going to do. Hunter, on the other hand, he was riding a little bit too high. This motherfucker locks up a cross face cradle, ends up, puts him on his back and completely different than what Kamuela says, but they're both their go-tos. It's both something that they trusted. It's Hunter's a four-time state champ. He went back to his wrestling roots. He went back to his superpower and got him on his back, pushed him against the cage and went right into his ground and pound. Completely different answers, but both of them would have sufficed and both of them would have done well for each individual athlete. Yeah, absolutely. And like knowing that is huge. And then coaching and seeing it from afar, like you said, you get a different perspective because like like you said, Kamala had a different answer to that problem. And it would have not been to Hunter's benefit if he coached him into his own solution. Exactly. Right? You know, so like you have to have that that perspective to know that everybody's got different styles and different strengths. But for me personally, teaching is the best way that I learn. Yep. Like, and, and I learned this really early on. Like, I don't know if it's a social thing, but like if I get up in front of someone or I try and speak knowledge into an idea I have, like. I better know my shit if I'm going to try and teach somebody else this. Right. Yes. So that, that makes me more on top of my material. Um, and that gives you me a good look into there's more ways to think about this, but also like you get to know your subject material so much better. If you teach a recreational jujitsu class, if you go coach, you know, youth wrestling and you really have to break down the fundamentals to these kids that don't know how to wrestle at all. 
And then you're like, oh shit, I don't even know that fundamental. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, I was thinking about it the other day because I just started coaching a, a high school wrestling team and, you know, they, they're teaching like stance in motion and teaching these kids like a down block. And like coach was like, it was some, uh, we were on a crossface series and he asked me, he's like, what would you do in this situation? And I like, he's like, huh, let me run one. I don't actually know, you know? So it's like, <laughs> I, I had to like, go get the feel so I could know the subject material. Um, because it's not all the time what you think, especially when it's your superpower, you don't think about, um, the fundamentals because they are automatic, which is a good thing, but it's a good refresher to have to go back and teach some of those right. fundamentals. Well, and that's why we've talked about in the past, like, that's why it's actually really hard for elite, elite athletes, those legends of the sport to come back and turn into good coaches because so much of what they did was just so fucking natural that they never, they were, they were the kid that always had the right answer, but never had to show their work for the most part. Right. And, and that's where I think getting into coaching allows you to show your work. It allows you to show the 14 steps of the proof in order to show what the end result is. And that allows you to understand self-awareness that allows you to understand what makes you different. And the cool thing about this concept, like we keep talking about is I actually became a way better strength coach because I had to show all the right techniques. I got so good at all the techniques and it being, being able to show it. Cause I'm not going to show them the wrong way to do something. Right. So I focused so hard on understanding the strengths of what we do, the strengths of the programs I'm going to give. Like it was funny. I was showing box jumps a couple of days ago and I've gotten really good at doing one box jump, <laughs> like really fucking good at doing just one. And it kind of looks like I'm floating. And that's what I was working with. Um, uh, just a youth athlete. They're like, do that again. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do it again. Like I'm, I got one, <laughs> but, but I got really good at doing box jumps. And I remembered back as soon, as soon as they made that comment, I remembered back to college wrestling. That was literally one of the weak points of everything I did was just explosion. I was so fucking bad at box jumps and single leg plyos and double leg plyos and shit like that. And now because having to work on it, because having to coach, because I have to understand what goes into each individual person's superpower or difference that allowed me to become good at the things that I was bad at. And that's a cool little paradigm shift because it's not just knowing what you're good at. It's not just knowing your superpower. You can even use that if you're trying to coach, if you're trying to understand another athlete, and that allows you to work on your floors too. So understanding, say you're working with your training partner, which is what I'm getting at. And they're really, really good at striking, trying to understand them, trying to be a better training partner for them. Maybe striking is what you're lacking at. That allows you to become better at their superpower, that, but also allows you to become better at what your floor was. You can raise your floor by understanding your partner's superpower. Yeah, or you, or use your partner in a capacity where you want to learn their superpower, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody's different. So it's like, how do you do that? Give me a little advice and help in that realm. Like, and I feel like this is really applicable in a technical sense, but it's even more applicable in like a maturity and lifestyle sense. Yes. Um, for especially like a team, like I like factory X, like we have, we have some UFC vets, we have some guys near in the top of the UFC. And then we have, you know, 20 or 30 regional pros and amateurs. And it's like, dude, if that's my goal to get to the UFC and perform on the highest level, like, why would I not utilize every person and resource I can on the way there? Mm -hmm. Like ask these dudes some questions and, and really rely on them because taking it out of the technical like realm of things, some guys strengths they're literally just their consistency or some guys strengths yeah. are their professionalism. Some guys strengths are their ability to prepare. Like 
not everybody's number one strength is just like a takedown or, you know, blending mm-hmm. shots or something like some guys strengths, like, and literally is just like your pure athleticism or your consistency in your training or your ability to um, manage a weight cut. Like those things go into the buckets of uh, superpowers as well. So mm-hmm. pick those things up and the, the smoother your preparation can go and the more you can get better at that stuff and get the, um, what could be a distraction or what could be a problem, get that out of the way, then the less barriers there are to fighting and having your, your best potential performance. So use your teammates for that. Use your coaches, use, um, professionals, right? The more people that have self-awareness, right? The, The more the actual like tide lifts, right? The more people that know what they're really, really good at and then can impart it into others too, though the more that tide keeps lifting up and up and up where the boats keep rising. But the other thing that I think this, this plays into, and this is for all my healthcare people out there is some athletes don't do well with an FMS screen, right? Some athletes are uh, like at super athletes are super compensators for the most part. And a lot of healthcare, like if you don't understand that, say you're working with an athlete, like say you're working with an easy example is a pitcher, right? And they have to have an extreme amount of internal rotation to get the job done. If you try to take away that athletes, what makes them different, which is that extreme amount of internal rotation. Well, guess what the fuck you're going to do? You're going to take away from their overall performance, that thing that probably gets them paid. Um, and you're going to decrease their ability to do the job because you're trying to fix what's anatomically not there or what's anatomically not right or, or what's biomechanically technically not right. Right. Because it doesn't measure up to the exact range of motion that you need to get to. So for, this is something that I'm very passionate about is this is why you do a proper assessment, but you also have to do a assessment of the sport, the athletes coming in. It can't just be, you assess the person in the office. You also have to assess the sport at which they do and understand the demands of the sport. If you don't understand that, hey, a boxer probably should be a little bit upper, a little bit upward rotated of their traps or of their scapula, right? That's just proper positioning for boxing. We don't want it to be down and back all the time. That's not as protective in nature. We can't roll as well. We can't cover up as well if we don't have that upward translation of the scap. So why every single time, if there's no pain or, or no, no problem, are you trying to release their, their traps or trying to needle their traps if they're not coming to you with trap pain? It doesn't matter if it doesn't pop, pop, if it pops positive on an SFMA, it matters. Is that doing a job for the sport at which they do, right? Is that what makes them different? Is it something that's different with their sport? That's different than the human population. And so many healthcare practitioners, they learn baselines. They learn what is good, proper functioning movement, quote unquote, but that's for a regular person. That's for somebody that's training for sustainability. If we're working with somebody that's training per, training for performance, if their job is literally to do some sort of physical task or some sort of sport, you need to under, under, understand the demands of that sport so that you can help them not just get back to sustainability because that's not the goal. Help them elevate their performance. Maybe that upward rotation is a good thing. Maybe another example is... Uh, a lot of people, a lot of kickers have, have hip flexor tightness, right? They're, they're stuck in a little bit of anterior translation of the pelvis and with a little bit of hip flexor tightness. Guess what? Their hip flexors need to be fucking strong. They're winging their leg up into the air at somebody's head multiple times in a round. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to get a little tight if it's painful. Cool. Treat it a little bit, but that's not something that you need to fix. Yeah. And again, it's having the context and understanding 
you know, who you're working with. Like you can all, you can almost coach somebody out of their training advantage if you're blind mm-hmm. to it. Right. And that's exactly. On repeat. But like you said, understand the bandwidths, right? Like this hip well, flexor can be tight and that's fine for performance, but once it starts to be symptomatic, we'll address it in some capacity and hopefully expand some range into a, an acceptable um, parameter but I don't want to take away the, you know, skewedness towards having strong hip flexors, or I don't want to just stretch it out, stretch it out, stretch it out. And then all of a sudden we lose the power on our kicks, you know? Right. Well, and, and an easy example is every like neck strength, right? For the most part, you probably don't need like an average population. You probably don't need to do a whole bunch of different neck exercises. Yeah. Guess what? If you're getting punched, kicked and choked, in the face and in the neck, you should probably have a large amount of neck strength. And that's something that we can focus on. So even though I'm not a big fan of like the neck harness or, or like uh, concentric movement of the, of like neck strengthening, but there's all these different ways that you can train the neck and for fighters in particular, for, for combat athletes, maybe the neck harness isn't the worst thing. I would rather have a fucking strong neck as long as there's no symptomatic issues than a weak neck. And if that's the only implement you have, that's probably better than doing nothing. And so that, that raises an interesting point and kind of a question in my head. Like if you have, if you have this strength, so if I think about a typical grappler, um, who's been successful or whatever, their neck's already pretty strong from the sport. Correct. Right? Would you agree? Right. And yeah. I, I would, I would wholly assume or wholly agree with that. So if I got a re- grappler who's already got a pretty strong neck just from performing at the sport, and then I add more neck strengthening stuff on top of it, where does that get too much or where can we kind of meet in the middle with our like volume or our kind of dosage in, in areas like that? Not just, just simply neck strength, but sure. how much is too much? Can we overflow the bucket and then see uh, potential downsides from that? hundred percent. So that comes down to having an accurate assessment and and it kind of comes back to the first thing I was talking about is understanding the sport, right? So if, if the athlete has a strong neck and you're able to objectively measure that, whether that be muscle testing, whether that be, you, you have your own assessments. I do a good amount of like, you could do a pressure, pressure pad muscle test. Um, or you can also just watch their neck movement and compare that with their, their previous injury history. So does the athlete have a history of neck and or shoulder pain? Um, and also with the neck movement, do they have general mobility to where they can get all ranges of motion. Right. So those are my two of my key factors on my intake form that I look at and, and also in my objective physical exam. Um, after that, we can run them through an assessment, whether that be isometric loading, like I said, with like pressure cuffs or whether that be some sort of weighted maneuver, or it could be with an iron neck, run them through a standard protocol. And then you can see, Hey, is this athlete's neck really as strong as we expect it to be? And is it not just strong, but also mobile? That's really what I look at personally is the difference between mobility and strength and looking to see, are they strong and are they mobile? Not one or the other. Okay. Right. Cause we know that that's extremely important for the sport of MMA. Um, and then from there, and we can do this for every part of the body, right? There's movement tests that we have building a fighter has all that strength, strengthening tests, but that kind of comes down to being able to understand the sport, being able to understand that athlete and actually how that athlete operates, because you probably need more strength. If you're a grappler, you probably need a little less strength and a little bit more mobility. If you're a striker, Right. So that also kind of factors in a little bit to what you do. Um, But then from there, programming in progressively overloading neck strengthening or neck mobility exercise based off what you're seeing. I tend to personally lead more towards if they, uh, most people lack mobility, not strength. 
in in the MMA world, at least in the neck. So I tend to gear my correctives more towards mobility exercises of the neck, like neck cars, DNS exercises, like three month prone, stuff like that versus like neck harnessing and iron neck, because they, they do get such an overload with the grappling, but there are certain circumstances where somebody, if somebody comes from striking and not grappling that I just need to fucking load their necks up. And actually a really good resource is, um, uh, the strength coach at fight ready Chad, I key has, has some really, really unique and, and really cool neck exercises that he does with with his grapplers and with his strikers that are that i'm like fuck he's like has them bite on a towel and they're using banded like neck rotation so i'm like it's actually a really fucking good idea mm-hmm. <laughs> well i saw somebody one time hanging from a mouthpiece off of like a pull-up bar is that is that good neck strength any exercise um uh, <laughs> uh, i don't even know what to say but i was about to say something really rude and i'm just gonna my mom told me if i don't have anything nice to say don't say it at all you never abided by that one, <laughs> right? But um, but yeah, I think it, it's a an accurate rep- uh accurate resolution to really assess and then really pinpoint what you have to work on. That's like the advantage of strength conditioning, right? Is we can look and and specify this small, um, very intricate piece that we're going to work on, like neck strength versus neck mo- neck mobility. We don't need to just hit it all and do all of it because that's going to lead to you know, overuse and it's going to just um, trickle right. down into a negative side effect thing rather than, um, okay, we need this small specific targeted intervention. Let's do this. Well, and that, and I think bringing it back to what we do well with our collaboration, um, I think that's where having somebody with a healthcare background and a strength conditioning background and, and having them being able to talk, having them a part of the same team helps a lot because say that we take that exact same situation, say me and you are working with an athlete that has in their injury history, it says they have neck pain and they also have been having like right shoulder pain and they come from the wrestling. They've been wrestling since they were 10. I would argue without even doing a physical exam, 95% certainty that they probably have some sort of neurologic and or disc issue with their cervical thoracic spine, right? So neck pain, shoulder pain correlates to the same side and it probably is affected by looking down or getting snapped down. And that feels like a stinger going to their shoulder. We know even if they need neck strength, that we're probably not putting them in a fucking neck harness because that's going to put more shear force on the cervical thoracic junction. That's going to cause an increase of pressure onto the disc. And then with that disc disc pressure, dick pressure, (laughs) disc pressure, it's going to send more radiating pain down to the shoulder. And that's going to further exacerbate their symptoms and, or reflare up the pain at which they had. So being able to understand that and me being able to relay that message to you saying, Hey, we can do a dip. Let's uh, let's do isometric loading of the neck, which is a hundred percent, the not the exact same, but it's pretty fucking close, right? Yeah. Having them just isometrically load, use an iron neck or use just a, a yoga ball. Manual on the resistance. Wall. Yeah, manual thing. resistance. But doing that is an easy way to supplement that. And having that collaboration is a great way to help that athlete move forward. And that's something that can separate a lot of, not just us, but I wish more companies just did what, like followed that model where we have people with a, a broad scope of knowledge because it's only going to further MMA. Yeah. It's, it's weird that you say broad scope of knowledge. Cause I think of, I think of what we do with MMA strength conditioning is very niche, but being broad within your niche, like, you know, everything about your own specified subject material, you know, right. like, like MMA, I'm not a healthcare practitioner, but a lot of the times I like to know, or like to know probably what's happening or what's going on. So I almost like test myself and quiz myself when athletes come to me with injuries or that it's like, 
can I assume what this is? I'm not going to act on it because I don't actually know. And I, I don't have a diagnosis or anybody, but it's like, can I, can I anticipate what's going on here and be accurate in that? Um, so I want the knowledge of the PT, but obviously I'm not going to act on it. I want the knowledge of is your dietetics. Like, how can I help there? I want that broad scope of knowledge. I want the scope of knowledge on the skill coach. Like this is this guy's mentality when he gets on the ground, this is this guy's um, strengths when he's, you know, fighting. So I need to have all of that type of broad scope of knowledge, but then I also have to have the humility and the understanding of when to refer out and utilize other people. Right. Because if I have all that knowledge, I, or I pursue all of that knowledge and then I start acu- acting on it inaccurately, then that's going to become a problem. Right. So For sure. know your limits, but know also know that you want to know everything about MMA, about your subject material, you know, like if you're a football strength coach or you work with football guys, like you should probably know how to help them gain weight. You maybe aren't going to write them a meal plan, but you're going to have a couple of bullets in your pocket to t- teach football players how to gain weight. Same yes. with like MMA. Like I'm going to have some nuggets about cutting weight, about weight management, but I'm not going to coach somebody through a gradual weight descent or create a meal plan for them. Like, right. Yeah. So what makes you different, Alex? Oh, what makes me different? I think uh, we go back to the um, year in review podcast. I think I relate to athletes very well nowadays. Um, I think that's my been my kind of bread and butter for the last six to 12 months, like relating to athletes, really getting in their head and then learning how to coach them. Like I used to think technique X's and O's programming, this tonnage and load vault management here. Okay, I think that's what made me a good coach, but I think uh, relating to athletes, understanding them and then coaching them from that point and then having the X's and O's, you know, I know a back pocket has been a good revelation and a good superpower for myself recently. Fuck yeah. What about you? Oh, I should have known you were going to ask me that after I yeah, asked you. Dummy. Fuck. I wasn't even thinking. Um, uh, it's at risk of saying the same thing you said. Uh, I think probably my superpower right now, if I had to put a finger on it would be, um, connection, how how I connect with my athletes. I've just, I've noticed that about recently that I tend to be the guy that people that like, if they want to talk about like a rough topic, I'm the guy that they'll talk to. And I'm, I'm fucking proud of that. And that makes me extremely happy, but it's not just the X's and O's. Of course, I love the X's and O's of, of being a strength coach, being a healthcare practitioner, but, but being able to connect with the athletes, being able to, for using that red flag word, get the buy-in. I'm really good at getting buy-in recently. Um, and I've noticed that. So it's, I'm, I'm proud of that. That's, that's probably my superpower if I had to put it on right now. Yeah. yeah. So that was our podcast on being different. Um, for all everybody out there, try to find out what makes you different, right? That's, that's going to be our message to you. That's going to be our goal for you for 2022. Look at that rhyming and everything. Um, but trying to find out what makes you different, trying to find your go-tos in the micro sense and trying to find your, your differences, your uniqueness, your special abilities in the macro sense of your, whatever sports you play or whatever job you do, that should be your goal for 2022, because the more self-awareness you have, the better off you're going to be down the line. So please like, share, subscribe. We now have ratings on Spotify. Give us that rating because that's where most people listen to our podcast, according to our numbers. Um, So give us that rating on there. We're currently at 5.0. So let's keep boosting those numbers up because more people will see it if we get more ratings on Spotify. If you got to get in touch with us, all of our information is in the show notes. And as 
always, we also have our programs at buildingafighter.com. Look for those to be extremely revamped coming into 2022. We're going to make a huge push to try to get a little bit, get a, get a few more people on the building a fighter bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you need to get into, or if you need to get some strength conditioning in your life and, or a low back program, they're also coming out with a neck program, head to buildingafighter.com. We have all of those different resources there with the store available, um, as well as different blog articles that Alex has been absolutely crushing to try to get you a little bit more knowledge in your life. So this is Dr. Austin Shane, Alex Friedman, and we are out.